on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This week is Oscar Week on Comedy Gold Mines, and we're celebrating with some of our favorite interview moments from some of this year's nominees. We're going to play some of the greatest moments from the past shows with Eddie Murphy, Aquafina, Adam McKay, and Danny McBride. Today's conversation will be great. You know why? Because I'm talking to an amazing piece of talent. Yes, I said it. Ladies and gentlemen, I will compare this guest to a rocket, because that's how fast they seem to be going at the time. Career is exploding. Television, movies, all of the above. Truly taking the screen by storm. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Comedy Goldmines, Nora Lum, a.k.a. Aquafina, a.k.a. The Rocket. Yes. I like it. No, I'll take it. Hi. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing okay. How you doing? I am good. For our listeners here, let me let you know where this relationship starts. We did a movie together. Yes. That's right. I had the pleasure of working with Nora. We did a film, a little small film called Jumanji. Uh, Jumanji, the next level. And I had the pleasure of working with Nora and talking to Nora and, and getting a, a small level of understanding because we talked, but, you know, it was never crazy, crazy in depth. You know, we asked each other questions about what are you doing next? What are your plans? But this is my opportunity to really get to talk to you in a way that I didn't then. I remember when the conversation of Jumanji came up and you were bought up and everybody went crazy. They were like, oh, my God, we'd be so lucky, so lucky to get her. Um, this was after Crazy Rich Asians and your, your role in Crazy Rich Asians was so dope. You presented yourself as a comic relief, but also as just a, as a, as a real force in that world of improv, spontaneity, just kind of knowing where to be, what to do, and what to say. I could tell that some stuff was written, some stuff wasn't, but that character in Crazy Rich Asians really popped. Really, really fucking popped. And I found synergy. I'm going to tell you how I found synergy here, Nora. I found synergy to myself and Think Like a Man. And my role in Think Like a Man was set up the same way. It was set up for me to pop. And if you pop correctly, things after follow. Did you know during Crazy Rich Asians that that role was possibly the role of a lifetime for you? Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, but I did know what I knew about how it felt, which I felt, I felt like comedically free. And I felt that I just had like the complete trust of like everyone around me that I was, you know, so like, I knew that there were like liberties with it that like, I really liked, you know, but in terms of it popping, I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So you felt, you say you felt that. I felt that. Wow. I felt that during thing like a man, there was moments where we were on set. You just used the term called comedically free. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And using that same phrase, where 
I saw that I was able to do what I want. Mm -hmm. Where the director and my my cast, my co-stars, where they literally took a step back at times and was like, okay, this is where Kevin's gonna go. Wow. And it was kind of set up. And and there was moments where I felt like I was knocking that ball out. Yeah, for sure. I felt it during. So so the reason why I ask you that, because in watching Crazy Rich Asians, there's scenes where I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. She it's just like it's 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 everything that it's supposed to be. You're so good in those scenes. You're so good in the movie in general. And it's like, I just wanted to know if you had that moment of clarity while doing it or was it after seeing it, were you shocked? I mean, you have to also understand, I really did not act a lot before that movie, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I honestly just was really surprised at, first of all, how close I felt with everybody, right? So I think that goes with it. But yeah, when I saw it, I just felt that, you know, yeah, it came, I, I enjoyed my parts in it for sure. But, you know, it's such a contrast against what everyone else is doing though too. I feel like a lot of the heavy lifting is actually people that are like carrying the story. Whereas mm -hmm. like, you know, my character kind of comes in in very sporadic moments, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's that's also kind of cool to, you know, to also see people around me doing stuff. You said that you didn't act a lot before that. How did this role come about? I, um, you know, it was really weird. I got like a message, a Facebook message from this like Asian British actor friend that I knew. And he was like, I just got an open casting call for Crazy Rich Asians. You should audition for this. And I was like, I don't even know how I would audition. At that point, I had never acted any of that. <laughs> and then like two years later, I remember seeing the, always seeing the book in the airport. And I just remember being like, oh, that's a, it says Asians. And that's a, you know, at that time it wasn't a lot of Asian stuff, you know, especially in Hudson News. But years later, I, I think like two years later, I met with John Chu and um, I auditioned for it. And it's just, it, it's so random, by the way, how things just happen, right? Like, they, I know, it's yeah. not, it's not planned. I like you got a, a, a layout. There's a storyboard as to how things Definitely. are going to work out. Uh, something as random as a friend calling you for an open casting call leads to just right. you just having something on your mind that wasn't on your mind. And then boot blink, it pops up into your space and your thinking space. And before you know it, oh shit, this becomes your reality. By the way, right. that's the world and structure for most things surrounding comedic talent in general. It's very much a sporadic space of opportunity because mm -hmm. it's never expected when things happen and when they do is, holy shit, holy shit, I can't believe. Right. What was your background that got you there? Tell my audience what your background was that got you to the place of even being considered for your friend to call you and say, yo, you should go <laughs> out for this. Well, I, the background for that situation was just, I randomly met a guy and, and that, you know, at that point I had music videos up that's and, what I want uh, you to talk about. That. I'm yeah, about yeah. The so, world of music and videos. Yeah, I was, I mean, I always had made music and then, you know, I, I published a music video. I wrote it when I was like very young, like in my mm -hmm. teens. And then I didn't actually publish it until um, like 24, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it was just like, it was that world, but also then, you know, what what next okay and i i never thought about acting as like a possibility ever so you know with one with that i think there's always a comedic sensibility to to all of my music stuff so you know that was the most important driving factor and my music was never meant to be anything but you know just just that you know so by that time i had gotten a manager uh 
and he was kind of like, well, let's, you know, let's maybe get you an audition. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but like the, the crazy rich Asians thing, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it, at, so at that point, like I was, I was um, looking for maybe what's next, you know? You have to educate yourself, uh, for, for my listeners, man, you got to educate yourself on Nora and just her music background. Like <laughs> when she's, when she's talking about, she's being very modest right now, but oh, when I can say the, the attention that has been driven her way, it comes from, uh, the music, the music videos that she's done. And there's a comedic tone to it all, but you really see a sense of charm. Uh, you see star, I'll be honest with you. You can see oh, where, man. where the star, the star like cadence, uh, is, is is basically seen and why the opportunities are now coming her way you know we're talking about crazy rich asians being her first movie uh we're talking about her stealing that movie um from the comedic perspective but then after that multiple opportunities came after multiple opportunities came after i mean oh, yeah. goodness gracious we're talking about jumaji the next level i mean you are recently in um the marvel movie that's it's it's about to come out or is out what's the name of it shang chi and it's coming out september 3rd what is this role this role is is uh shang chi's best friend so she's she you know is very much just of the normal world and uh kind of goes with him on this like really insane journey to kind of rediscover his past and how did you do that how did you somehow laying yourself in the world of jumanji and then somehow jump over to marvel do you even understand oh, how man. massive that is are you aware of how crazy that is <laughs> like has it, you gotta pinch I'm, yourself right Juma now, right? <laughs> yeah i mean yeah but it's like you know the, these things it's like it, you're you're so happy about them happening but it's like uh the pinch me moments are also like well what's what's what are you know like what what's what's when's that issue gonna drop you know like it's like it, you know it turns into more of a panicky pinching moment than like a you know like this is it's it, when things are you know so i i always have that embedded in me but i i'm trying to teach it out of me but you know yeah it's it, it was a massive transition i think like i, I guess how do you how, how i want to know how you like kind of negotiated with with kind of all this and like when it when it started happening for you when it started happening um i mean when i was in that position that you're in right now there was it was a high level of excitement first of all you can't bypass the level of holy shit mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. there was a there's a major amount of holy shit right, that i right. had and i can relate to what you just said which is okay there is holy shit but then there's like okay wait what the fuck is happening after this <laughs> what, what is hold on wait. oh shit well hold on this is happening but wait okay now, <laughs> yeah. when this drop wait i better get it wait well, what next i don't want to be i don't want to be out here with nothing else going mm -hmm. on um i i quickly understood and learned how to develop i quickly understood uh, the world of conversation and project and attachment wow. right like it was okay i'm i'm doing this and there's so much attention attached to my name, but I don't want to wait for something else to come up. What can I spark the conversation of or on? And and I attached myself to a great producer. It was Will Packer at the time. Oh yeah, I love and, yeah, Will and Packer. And Will yeah. Packer and myself, you know, we we did a crazy run of about six six to seven successful yeah. movies. Um, but we kept we kept we stayed in that think tank. You know, it was the ride-alongs. That's the ride-alongs. It was about last night. Uh, we did think like a man. Right, we did right, uh, right. wedding ringer. Like yeah. we kept we kept looking for material that I could that I could um, star in that we could produce and develop and we had a studio that was willing to to ride that machine as well so yeah. you know my advice to you and you know i take away the word advice 
information because advice means do it like I would do it. And I don't, I don't mean that at all. Okay. Information that I can give you is right now, you know, you even have, I know that there's a, a, a TV show that you have mm -hmm. now. It's, um, that's on Comedy Central, right? Nora from Queens. Yeah, Nora from Queens, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, that's more, that's more development that's attached to you as a star. I would say from just an information perspective, find more ways to do that with film as well, especially in today's time because the conversation of diversity is louder than it's ever been, right? It's, it's so loud. And the opportunities that are now at hand are good. And, and they're good for good reasons. Because, you know, I think studios are truly trying to make the efforts of following the lead of the conversation and making that change. And when there's a talent as strong as yourself, that you can attach to real strong material, the only recipe is is win. Like right now, you're talking about, we're talking about you in a fucking Marvel movie after being <laughs> in Jumanji. And we're talking about other starring roles and guest starring roles. Like you're very much a part of the comedy conversation, especially with women in entertainment right now. And I think that's so dope. It's yeah. so fucking dope. Thank you, Kevin. No, thank you for that information too. Cause you know, I feel like that's ultimately where, where you want to go. Like, do you, do you ever feel like, like I was an executive producer on my, on my show. And that mm -hmm. was like, there's a lot of stuff that like actors, it's not that they're not told. They just, mm -hmm. they're just not involved in it. You know, they come mm -hmm. to work, they assume that work starts in the hair and makeup trailer. And then, you know, there's so many decisions and there's like so many people mm -hmm. um, like involved in every, in everything. It really makes you appreciate the process more, but there's some times where it's like, I really, I do enjoy this, you know, like mm -hmm. not even in a way where, you know, I just, I just want to like do, you know, I like, I genuinely want to be on, on the ground. I want to, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's the kind of person you are too. Absolutely. I find so much excitement in ground zero. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For like real. Ground, yeah. Ground zero is dope to me because you truly get to see how this thing starts yeah. and how it how it finishes right like 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 starting like when you say all right i'm in the beginning stages kevin and and, and i have such an appreciation because you know you're you're eping on on your show right and you know on this show that's developing by the way let's make sure we shout it out properly we're talking about nora from queens <laughs> uh, uh drops august 18th on comedy central yes. it's it's uh, another product another project that this amazing talent that i'm talking to today uh has had the opportunity of fucking of, of developing being a part of and and it's about to be on display for you all to see it so make sure you lock that in okay as as i'm talking i want to make sure i throw that to thank you. you thank but you but here's the beauty of it there's jobs attached to it right there's there's yeah. opportunities for the people that work uh in craft services transportation yeah. your camera crew you're talking right. about your other writers your other actors actresses there's so many pieces to this puzzle that come together ultimately to make the right thing that was your vision that started mm -hmm. off as your vision well when you see all of the minds that come to the table that's what i'm saying like when all those people are, are working hard for like something that's for you it's the best you know what i mean it's like it's it's like a really warm feeling i mean another thing that i always saw you do also on jumanji is like every time you come to set you 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 bring with you like just like morale you know what i mean <laughs> like you you want to make sure you come to set like and you acknowledge everyone and that everyone's kind of happy that's like that's like a big thing it's a priority it's a priority and, and yeah. you know, I, I think I find a significant amount of joy out of doing what I love and I, I would love my level of happy to rub off, 
as much as possible on those around me because it doesn't have to be this way, right? Like right. our our days can be long, brutal days, but if we got an attitude that that matches that, well, then they're going to be longer. Yeah, exactly. When you come in and it's like, hey, man, look at look at this. We're I remember there was a day when we were doing Jumanji. Remember we were in the fucking we were in uh. They had built the town. They had built the town thing, whatever that was, right? And they had, was it camels or what, what did oh, they have? Oh, you're talking about the, like, the marketplace. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The, you, and, you and I remember. You did what, not like riding. Oh, I did not like, whatever that fucking thing was. When I tell you. It was the camel. But the camel. My allergies were kicking my ass. This, the smell from this camel, the dust. I've never seen a dustier goddamn. Wait, have you ridden a camel? No. Listen, that fucking camel was kicking my allergies ass. But I said, I said, I'm not going to let this camel be me i'm not gonna let it happen because it's such a fun scene it's such a fun day and i said if my morale goes down i said i feel like everybody else's morale will go down and i was like this fucking camel our morale went up as yours went down because <laughs> you because that thing because because also camels lean too that fucking so camel, the camel man. <laughs> yo you guys were having such a good time i was oh miserable on that camel i couldn't stand that fucking camel but it was truly for me it was truly about understanding the amazing environment that we created yeah. like all this shit was built we had this world and i was like there is no room for error man and i remember looking at jake our director mm -hmm. and and seeing jake i knew how long his days was and how much was on his mind right. and i was also trying to take a lot off of his plate making sure like the last thing he had to worry about was us uh -huh, uh -huh. the actors the actresses like us and our attitude so that's something that i think about honestly on a day-to-day -day. i i think about the whole team the whole crew yeah. and what mindset we all can have that can just ultimately help our project become better yeah it's a thought a good feeling no for sure i mean i i noticed that from from jumanji from you and i i, I always want to do that too on may 10th kingdom of the planet of the apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a this summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now back to Comedy Goldmines with Kevin Hart and his guest, Adam McKay, nominated for two Oscars this year with his movie, Don't Look Up. Was Will still on SNL at the time when Elf came? He was still there? Did he leave? <gasps> Let me try and remember when he left. I think he was still... That's a very pivotal moment. He was still on SNL. He was still on SNL. Yeah, he was still doing SNL because I left in like 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. And he left, I think, in like 2003. So he had done Old School Elf. And then we filmed Anchorman. He might have left when we were doing Anchorman or maybe it was right after it he left SNL. And with you with Anchorman, this was the directing debut, the writing, everything, the whole nine. You know, was it was it a tough sell for you at that point with the studio? Like, yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna direct it. Like, I wanna I wanna do this film. 
I want to have control over it. Like, after Will had that success, was it hard for him to sell you as his guy or for the studio to buy you as being the guy? Well, before he had this success with Old School, it was impossible. No one would do it. They're like, this guy isn't directed. I'd done a bunch of short films on SNL, but some of them were a little strange. I think they scared off some of the studios. <laughs> they were like, what is this? And, uh, and so once he hit with Old School, then it was like I was able to get through the wire. Like up until that point, it wasn't going to happen. And so they wanted Will so badly. They wanted his next project so badly. Plus, they knew I could direct. I mean, they'd seen my short films. And, and you know, some of them were a little more mainstream. Some were a little crazy. And they had met with me. They knew I knew what I was doing. So uh, from that point on, the second we got to film, it was just pure enjoyment. It was so mm. fun. And putting the cast together, you know, from the gate, when you guys were writing, did you know that's who you wanted? Did you know that you wanted to go after Steve? Did you know that you wanted to go after, you know, everybody that was in it? I mean, what was the cast? Go through the cast of Anchorman for me. It was Carell. It was Christina Applegate. It was Paul Rudd. It was Dave Kector. It was Fred Willard. It was Vince Vaughn. But no, we actually auditioned people. We didn't know who was going to play uh, Christina, or uh, I'm sorry, Veronica Corningstone. So we auditioned a bunch of people. We had some really good people audition too, and we kept doing callbacks, and it really came down to Applegate was perfect. And then we did auditions for all the other roles, and I remember we were torn between Steve Carell and this other actor, and finally I just said, look, I was in Chicago when Steve Carell was at Second City. I've never seen the guy not be funny. And that was the tiebreaker. It was just like... He's always good. And then Rudd, actually Rudd was between Rudd and Bob Odenkirk. Those wow. were our two choices. And <laughs> people don't know, but Odenkirk wasn't really acting much back then. He was more of a writer who did some little parts. And that was a tough decision because they were both hilariously funny. We loved both of them. And ultimately, the studio was like, can we go with the guy who's more of an actor? And that was the tiebreaker on that. But I always say to Will to this day, like, hey, we had pretty good taste. Like, Odenkirk, you know, no one was casting him. And no. it was really, it was between him and Rudd. No, that's strong. And then Vince Vaughn, we knew we wanted. Like, we knew Vaughn was perfect as the foil uh, for West Mantooth. So uh, fortunately, Vaughn did us a solid. He did the movie. And then Willard is an all-time comedy legend. We wanted him. Legend. We got legend. Chris Parnell was in there. Catherine Hahn had a small role in there, and she was awesome. Uh, Luke Wilson pops up. Ben Stiller does a cameo. Tim Robbins. Uh, so, yeah, we kept kind of, like, filling out those roles with little cameos and friends and stuff. But, but it was a crazy movie. I mean, when we first test-screened it, it got laughs the whole way through. But at the end, we got our scores. And you know how they do it, Kevin. You get that score. It's from one to 100. You get the score. And, you get the score. and they, they, count, the score. they count the uh, top two boxes. You think the movie's excellent or very good. <laughs> and they total them up. And generally speaking, you want to be above a 70, right? You want to be, and, and maybe even above a 65. At our first screening, we got a 50. And we were like, what? <laughs> And the marketing lady came to us from DreamWorks and she says, you, oh. you idiots, you killed the dog. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean we killed the dog? Like, because yeah. originally Baxter got kicked off a bridge by yeah. Jack Black 
but he doesn't come back in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Back in- <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, but it looks so fake. Does anyone really think the dog died? And then, oh. so sure enough, we did a reshoot and we had the dog come back and our scores went up 25 points. Like oh my night God. and day, total difference. Oh. And I was like, all right, note to self, <laughs> don't ever kill the dog. I love, I love you coming back. You idiot, you killed the dog. Yeah, yeah what are you talking about? It was- it was funny. You talk about when Baxter gets booted off the bridge. It's one of our biggest laughs in the movie. Yeah, yeah but he's dead. Yeah, I know, but it's not a real dog. It's not a real dog. So is this when when you guys, I would say, like, there's a moment that I've had, right, in my career where it's like, you know, the light bulb went off. And the light bulb was that I can make my own movies. You know, I can now produce, write, develop my own films with my team, with my company, right? And it's one of the best feelings to have is the one of like control, kind of controlling your destiny, your future, and having the trust in your partner, right? Like you're technically you're still being hired, but you're you're more of a partner. When did the light bulb go off for you, Adam, that you could put some consistency behind developing these films? Like, was it after Anchorman and, and seeing like, oh wow, people saw this material, people love the material. I want to give people more of this. Like, what was your personal light bulb of this is what it's about to be? It can be so much more. I I would say it was after Talladega Nights because you do it once and you think like with Anchorman, there's a little part of you that just, you've only done it once. So you wonder, is it a fluke? Can we really do this again? And then when we did Talladega Nights, and I felt like we got even better at filmmaking. I'm not saying it's a better movie, but just our filmmaking chops got better. And it felt really comfortable. After that, it was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then after that, we also started producing. We started producing some smaller movies. Initially, we did uh, Eastbound and Down. Uh, We did a couple little indie movies. And then we're really starting to kind of feel it like, oh, I think we kind of know how to do this. And that led us to Step Brothers, which at the time was the craziest movie we had done because we were feeling good. So we just said, let's really cut loose. Like, let's let's not worry about anything. Let's just make the exact movie we would want to see. And, and then when that worked, we were like, wow, like, this is crazy. That was the craziest movie that we could make, and it got the most mixed reviews, of course, because it was pretty crazy and silly, and yet it still did really well, and we loved it, and we were feeling really good. So the kind of peak was end of Talladega Nights in the Step Brothers, where that's when Will and I started uh, Gary Sanchez Productions together. We started a production company. That's when we were really starting to like make movies. That's where like we ended up doing, even though I didn't direct it, we produced Get Hard with you. Uh, I would come up with story ideas. I would do rewrites on the scripts. And it was just a blast. It was, we were getting to do, we did the campaign, which once again, I didn't write it, but I did a rewrite. Jay Rhodes directed it. So we were starting to do all these movies for Will. We were starting to produce a lot more and then kind of in between the other guys and Anchorman 2, then we were doing a ton of stuff. Then we were doing all kinds of movies, all kinds of TV shows, and the companies started getting really big at that point. Yeah. You're all over 
the mat, but in such a strong way, you know, even when in dramas. Uh, one of my favorite shows on TV, I remember I saw your names and I was like, holy shit, Succession. What is it? Um, succession? Su- yeah. yeah. Uh, succession. I'm like, holy shit. You know, when you just start to see the things that your hands are in and that you're tied to and the resume that you guys have put together. Backing up, though, just to go from Talladega Nights to Step Brothers, you know, once again, these these were so strong because they they were they were character driven right and like you know the premises were were so crazy but yet so grounded within the performances was that a thing that you guys kind of tried to stay true to or, or focus on as you came up with the crazy ideas was it making sure that you put will in a position to to kind of be able to go as wild and above as he can but at the same time just grounded to, to, to find the belief in the character to make it that much funnier? Yeah, that was something we learned as we went along, and especially with Talladega Nights, was that as crazy as the world was, you had to play it consistently. That it had to mm-hmm. be like, I mean, if you look at old comedies like the Blues Brothers or uh, Airplane or any of those old legendary comedies, as crazy as they were, they were true to themselves. You know, you, you didn't break your reality. And also there was like a real story, like even in the movie Airplane, they got to land the plane. They're going to die. Like you mm-hmm. actually, even though it's ridiculous, you a little bit care that they're going to land the plane. So we started getting better and better at that. And I've always been a film fan anyway. I like all kinds of movies. So one of the nice things we were able to do is draw from all these other kinds of movies then I brought on like a real heavy hitter DP and Oliver Wood who shot like Born Identity and he did Talladega mm. Nights. So we started realizing that the better the filmmaking was, the more the reality and the stakes would go up and then the funnier you could be because you believed the world to some degree. And I think that's what all those comedies were teaching me, like different ways to shoot things, different ways you could be artful and at the same time, entertaining, but you could have a little bit of a message while still being entertaining and still being funny. So, yeah, all those comedies were like the best film school you could ever have because you just get to play with different looks and styles and work with composers and DPs. Mm-hmm. And it does, it does really pop your product. You know, uh, that's the space that I'm playing in now as well. You know, sometimes, you know, I like now that for some of the things coming out, I wanted to put like a darker, grimier feel on some things. And still, there's still the comedy component, but the look of it gives you more of an artistic uh, approach to the film. And, you know, you're like you said, that's where the creative juices start to flow even more when you start to bring in the strengths around you from people that have done other things. And, you know, you're mirroring certain looks by giving a different genre. It just adds a nice bonus, man. So it's it's dope to hear you drop the gems that you're dropping because I think they're so valuable and ones that my listeners will be able to take away. You know, that's the purpose of this thing, to to hear and understand. You know, you're getting inside the minds of these goddamn geniuses. And oh, what a genius we got on the show right now. Uh, we're inside the mind of Adam McKay. <laughs> Uh, and I and I love it, Adam. Uh, is there a preference? I mean, you you talked about television as well. One of my favorite shows, Eastbound and Down. I I got to be honest, Danny McBride. Um, you know, this is when I I really got a strong dose of just how funny Danny was. Like you know, I knew he was funny because I had seen him in movies and I had seen like you know cameos and stuff that he had did. But in this show, he really got down, man. He really got there. Oh, so funny. So funny. And by the way, Kevin, another great example 
of Jody Hill, his partner, who's a director, you know, those guys all went to film school. Those guys know how to shoot. Mm. They understand the history of the film. David Gordon Green is an, another person they work with who's a legitimately talented filmmaker. So they always had a real specific style to that show. And talk about ahead of their time. I mean, they're doing this show about like, you know, unhinged red state kind of pride and like, you know, boisterousness. And like, and I remember at the time people being like, is this too much? Well, guess what? Now it's our reality. Like, oh my God. Kenny Powers would be a congressman from like South Carolina now, you know. Kenny Powers would be president. Yeah. Kenny Powers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I love that show. Succession's been amazing. And yeah, I've transitioned. You know, I had a great run with Will. We had about 14 years together with Gary mm -hmm. Sanchez. And now I have a new company, Hyperobject Industries. That's what I was about to get to. Yeah, and, and it's been fun. And that's that dividing line you were talking about. That's kind of succession is when it started to kind of zig and zag a little mm -hmm. bit. And, uh, but it's, yeah, it's been really fun. And you get to work with these great people. I get to work with Danny McBride. I get to work with like this Norwegian director, Tommy Workola. I get to work with Andrew Gerlin, like all these really interesting people uh you know we got to do the movie hustlers and work with lorene scafaria mm -hmm. who's immensely talented and all these different cool projects uh livia wilde with book smart and it's been really fun with your reason for you know wanting to to step away was it a mutual decision between you and will of just like you know we've had a great run we've had a great time uh, we both get each other, understand each other, but let's just see what the other things are that we can kind of discover on different paths or or what? Like, what, what was the reason for the separation? I mean, you know, I, I could give one of those fake, nice answers like, hey, we're buddies, but the truth is he slept with my wife. And, oh, well, yeah, there and it, yeah, there's I certain, mean, that's I, 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 I was like, I can either go yeah. to prison right now or I can move yeah. on. And I chose to move, move on. on. Yeah. Yeah, smart, and, smart. And that's the type of guy you are. You're, you're going to think it through. You're going to think it through no matter what. This is a bit. This is a bit, it's people. A bit, He's in folks. a bit. It's He's a in bit. a bit. This is a bit. Uh, <laughs> no, we had like 14 years. The company got really big. I mean, we had a lot of people working for us, a lot of moving parts. At your height, how many? How many people? <sighs> God, I think about, we had about 15 working for us, but that wasn't enough because wow. we had so many movies and TV shows going. So we might've had to expand. We also had Funnier Die, which had like 60 people working for them. We had all the representatives and the legal and the financial. I mean, if you told, put everyone together, you might've been at a hundred people. Ooh. And it was just a big behemoth. And I think the weight of it got to be a little tiring. You know, you reach that point where it's like, boy, this is a lot. And, you know, you're managing a business. And both of us just felt like, hey, we've had a great run. Like, this got a little bigger, I think, than Will or I wanted. And uh, so, yeah, it was time to kind of step away. So he's got a little small company now. And then I started the new one. And it's been great. Like, it's so nice to kind of go back to a little bit of a smaller size and at the same time, I was definitely headed in more of a dramatic kind of political direction. So we get to kind of go unabashedly in that direction. I'll always do comedy. That'll always be a part of what I do. But, you know, at the same time, we've done stuff like the Q Into the Storm docuseries that was just on HBO is something we produced. And, uh, you know, a, a show like Painting with John, which is definitely a very offbeat show. So 
we've been having a blast. We're kind of leaner, smaller, a little more, you know, idiosyncratic, but at the same time still doing big shows and projects. And it's been really fun. You know, it's crazy to hear you say that, you know, it got kind of big because sometimes, you know, while you're in it, you don't realize the pace that you're growing at. Right. And I, and I call it the, the success monster. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine that's a writer. And, you know, I said, the, the one thing about success is that it truly is a monster. And I said, the monster, it can be on your side or not. Right. And there's, there's certain things that the monster does really well. And when it comes to growth, one thing that the monster is good at doing is getting bigger. Monsters can get big if you feed it. And that success that you're talking about, you and Will were having along the way. Well, you look up and you go, holy fuck. Look at you, like you're talking about, you know, 50 people over here, 40 people over here. What do you mean I need a COO, a CFO? What are you talking about? We need our own lawyers. What do you mean we, we can't use the agents and we got to have our, oh my God, you, you now have this goddamn pyramid of structure that started off with just you and ideas and in a room or apartment writing sketches and then it turned into writing scripts and all of a sudden you're managing hundreds of millions of dollars it happens so fast it happens so fast and then there's a want there's a want attached to what you do well from the people that you're now in business with and sometimes that's where it becomes overwhelming that's where the pressure uh can add up so i, I totally get it totally understand man and you know i think it, it's an amazing story it's an amazing story to have and one an even more amazing story to tell on may 10th kingdom of the planet of the apes is coming to imax and theaters everywhere this summer one movie event will reign it is our time i stole my village i know where they're taking your clan bend for your king never Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Up next, it's Danny McBride, whose movie, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, is nominated for this year's Best Animated Feature. What are you working on now? What are you doing now? We just finished uh, shooting the Righteous Gemstones, the new season of that. So that oh comes out in January. Season what? Is it season three? It should be season three, but it's season two because we got shut down for uh, COVID. We uh, we were starting to shoot the second season, and then we uh, we were two days into shooting when uh, when all hell broke loose, and then we we. Finished. Oh yeah. my god. That's a hell of a cast, man. That's a hell of a cast. Oh, thank you. A killer group that that's comes together for it really is. Everybody in there is really, really funny and just good people too. For my listeners, man, if you have not, uh, if you have not seen Righteous Gemstones, um, you're 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 in for such a treat. I challenge you all to go and watch it. I mean, it's such a good play just on the world of religion, right? And you do it; they do it tastefully. Like you know, it's not it's not attacking uh, a religion. It's really just it's about the world of the super church you know the 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 mega church is that what they call them mega the mega church yeah. so uh was there what was the inspiration for the characters did you pull from any of the the preachers out there is a little joel osteen in there is there somebody who who's who's in there for you who did you watch you know we, i was watching a little bit of everybody at the time you know and I, I moved to charleston south carolina about a little over four years ago 
And uh, why Charleston? You know, I had never even been before. We shot vice principals down here, and I lived here for like six months and just sort of fell in love with it. I, the people here were so awesome, and I just like the beaches here. The uh, there's so much like the intercoastal and the food is just incredible. And uh, also, all the guys that I work with on vice principals, you know, we were here for six months. Everyone had kids around the same age. Everybody's kids were just little, and we just had this sort of six month period here where our kids were just like running around, riding bikes, hanging out at the beach, just like having this completely cool existence. And I got back out to Los Angeles and it was sort of like, I felt like the people that law in, in loss that like left the Island. Like we're all kind of like looking at each other, like we got to go back, you know? And uh, wow. <laughs> we all kind of checked in with each other and everyone was kind of feeling the same thing. And so all the dudes went on a trip for a weekend and scouted it out. And then all the wives went on a trip and scouted out. And then we all sort of met. We're like, Hey, does everybody want to move? Yeah, we moved through like 10 families. Get the fuck out of here. That's so fucking dope. So wait a minute. So so literally just the the people and were were these other actors and actresses that were in um, Vice Principals or was it the crew, um, you know, just a, a variety? Yeah, it was the guys I direct with and write with and some, some writers, some actors, like, you know, it's kind of our like core crew and everyone just said, yeah, let's give it a shot and see what's going on. And we went down here and we pushed all of our work here. We shot uh, Halloween down here. We shoot gemstones here. So we've been able just to push all of our work here and live here man it's it's just been unreal it's been incredible dude that's so dope danny i'm so serious that's so dope because you realize you realize that the business can revolve around you right i mean when you're at a certain point you can take create um and make the things make sense uh that you want to make sense but i love i love going to a place falling in love with a place and it says a lot about you know south carolina i mean goddamn if you have the ability to turn people from los angeles to south carolina that says a lot about uh your city and state so shouts out to you charleston south carolina for being fucking amazing to make danny go fuck los angeles he said he went back he went back to los angeles and said we're getting out of this shit show uh and i'm quite sure the cost of living makes so much sense down there as well man just uh from a practicality standpoint i'm i'm willing to bet the opportunity for life is just so dope and i like that it was all based on your kids and your kids having a good time as well that's dope yeah me my, my wife and i were just sitting in this little bar uh you know, uh, in this little neighborhood. And we were sort of like, just talking about like, what do we want to do? Do we want to move here? Are we going to like uproot here? Cause my wife is from Los Angeles. So she grew up there and, uh, all of her family's out there. And, uh, we just like looked out the window of the bar. There was this group of like 10 little dudes, probably between the ages of like seven and 12 on skateboards with like fishing poles, just cruising down, no parents in sight. And I'm like, yeah, let's move here. Like, I'm teaching my kid how to ride a bike up off a of Mulholland. He's like, his ass is never going to ride this bike anywhere. Yeah. What's he going to do up here? Not down, not you down Mulholland. No, not down <laughs> Mulholland at all. So, so is that where? So you're there, and 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 what was it a was it a high level of the of the mega churches there in Charleston? There, there was just a lot of churches. You know, that was what was kind of cool. Is like, you know, growing up in Virginia, it's like I kind of had just forgot about how. Uh, prevalent like church is in place in you know places outside mm -hmm. of big cities and you know churches everywhere and every other station on the radio was religious so it just kind of got me thinking about church again and you know I used to go to church all the time when I was a kid my parents were like Sunday school teachers and so we were always involved in church when I was a kid and uh and I was just curious like well, what's church like now you know and so I started kind of like looking at these mega churches and they were seeming less and less like the church I sort of grew up with and more just like rock shows and then 
it just started kind of feeling like like a pretty fun like place to set some uh, a TV show. <laughs> but you know what I like? Here's what makes me laugh because in any in anything that you create, especially in TV, you know you have to have your antagonist, right? And 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 it's who who's the bad? Where where's the world of bad coming from? And I love I love the bad guys. <laughs> In righteous, in righteous gems, like I love, the, I love, I love the the scheme. You know, in season one, I don't want to give away too much, but you know, when when you had the bad guy, the bad guy's like fucked up. This guy, everything happened to him from the leg, like you know, after his injury, without giving it away. And there's nothing funnier to me than a guy. It's almost like. Like in Home Alone, you know, when these guys were so banged up and they had like the neck brace, <laughs> the cast, and still, and they're still trying to come and follow through with, with the mission later on. Like we have a bad guy that's so determined to do the bad shit totally. that he, he doesn't realize it's it's not gonna happen. It's like, but he's determined. Like for me, that's where some of the best comedy lives, man. And I think you guys have just done a really good job of of capturing it. You've done a good job of 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 you know um what's it called when you when you do it you're not mocking but what's the cool word when you're doing a um spoof was is it spoofing it's not spoof whatever it's like humping you know parody parody <laughs> you guys have done a great job of 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 parodying um this world and and it's done tastefully and respectfully so do kudos to you i'm glad you guys are coming back for another season uh movie wise right what, what are we doing there are we are we still in love with the world of movies or has tv kind of taken its toll and become your happy place you know i, I definitely like working with tv but uh i yeah i like movies too you know I'm getting ready to go head down to Thailand for uh, about six weeks to go work with Gareth Edwards, the guy who directed uh, Rogue One, to work on this uh, okay this science fiction movie in Thailand. So that should be pretty cool. I haven't been to Thailand before, so I'm yanking the kids out of school, and they're gonna get a fucking education. <laughs> Are you big with the uh, with the family being with you whenever you go? um on location like you do you set up the family for the duration of the project or or is it kind of like a in and out thing for you you know it's uh it's it's kind of different on each thing you know when they were younger we would kind of bring them along but then once they start getting school and finding their friends they're like less interested in just sitting around in a hotel like you know in the middle of nowhere and so uh, absolutely that's kind of why that was another reason why i kind of was digging the idea of being here is that I just feel like with me and my buddies, it's like they let us make stuff, but they barely let us make it. So we always have to go to some rebate state or something. So every time I would book work when I was in L.A., it was always leaving to go somewhere else to shoot it. And so mm -hmm. that's part of when we were thinking about South Carolina. Like, you know what? We, we're going to have to come here to shoot the show anyway. Let's just set up our lives here and we won't have to leave. And it was wild. It was the first time I'd ever worked and lived in the same place. Like I would go home at the end of the night and sleep in my bed and uh and I was so used to not doing that. You know, I was so used to just being on location and, you know, you're sleeping in hotel rooms or some Airbnb or anything. And it was nice. It made it feel like it was like a regular job. But, uh, you know, I went and I went to Australia to shoot uh, Alien Covenant a few years ago. And I, mm -hmm. I went down by myself. I, I, I left the kids and my wife here in Charleston and I was there for almost three months and man I just I just hated it it's like I liked working on that movie and I liked being a part of it but I hate it 
just sort of missing all of the shit that was going on at home. And, you know, all it takes is like one teary eyed FaceTime from my son or my daughter. And it's just like, what am I doing? I'm just like, <laughs> what the hell has my life become? You know, what's crazy, man. It's like, it's so different for, for everybody. Right. And I think, you know, with my kids, it's different because my, my kids have kind of been conditioned, right? Stand up comedy. It, it really, it, it conditioned. Yeah, yeah. My kids, they know dad, you know, dad's in and out and it doesn't make it better. I think as you, as you get older, we're both at an age now. How old are you, Danny? I'm uh, 44 years old. Yeah. You're two years older than me. I'm 42. So we're, we're both at this age where, you know, we're starting to look, we look at life through a different lens and the things that really matter. Like you're talking about, you went to go film and you saw kids on skateboards and bikes and you said, fuck that. I need to be here because your, your priorities are driven towards your family and the opportunities for them. And it's a weird, it's a weird shift um, that happens in life when you get here. But I, I know that my younger self, on the road, gotta go, whatever. It's not even a second thought. Older me, I'm the same way and just thinking like, well, how am, how's this gonna affect me being home? And you know, when can I film? Where can I film? So I make things happen close to home. If I can't be home, well, you know what? I do it during a time where they can either come for three weeks and go back or they come on the weekends. But then I've also realized that that time when I am filming a movie, that time away is like, it's almost like a boot camp for me. I treat it like boot camp, Danny. Like when I go do these movies, I lock in mentally, whether it's the working out, it's my morning regimen, um, diet, whatever. But you come home and you're, it's quiet for some of the few times in my life. Like, you know, cause I got so much going on when I do these movies, I'm honestly unavailable. I'm unavailable. So that shut off time, that shut off time for me is fucking is dope to, to actually go into a hotel room and it's quiet. You know, that's a, that's a thing. I don't get that thing often. So, you know, when I do do that, it's it's one of the ones where I gotta not fall in love with it too much. And I'm even honest with my wife. I'm like, babe, I'm like, babe, she's like, you good? You you miss us? And I'm like, well, I'm like, not yet. I will. I will. You know, I just got here, just started. So you know, after week two, three, I think I'm gonna fall into a heavy I miss you state. But right now, you know, I'm kind of just settling in, just enjoying the quiet. It's it's all right. But that I think just for how my mind works and how it's constantly racing. Um, I think I need that from time to time for sure. And there's some benefits to that too. I mean, I definitely, you know, when I've been on location for things, it's nice because it, it does give you that focus that like your whole life is geared towards this right now and like in, in, in achieving this. And that's kind of all you think about. And it is good. There is good to have that sort of uh, that focus for sure. But I mean, look, the impact that your family has on you is is strong. And, and I love that. I love that you have that. I love that you're, you're a family first guy. Um, you know, the question that I have for you is that, have you always been that? Or, or did you, did you discover that you had to become that, you know, like with, with the marriage right off the back and kids, how, how old are your kids now? My son is, uh, is 10 years old and my daughter is turning seven in two days. So 
They're uh, so dope. Yeah, they're at a really fun age right so now. So dope. Yeah, I mean, I had no clue. I mean, I wanted to have kids and everything, but I had no idea what it was going to be like or how, what kind of dad I would be or anything. I mean, I, I really didn't like have a clue. Then, yeah, I mean, once I had them, I just started kind of like, uh, I don't know, certain things would feel right and certain things wouldn't feel right about how I was kind of uh, behaving. Like, man, I'm someone who's so focused on my work all the time too like that was another reason why I kind of wanted to get outside of Los Angeles for just for myself was you know I had so much fun in LA and it was such an awesome place to go through my 20s and 30s and I met my wife there I loved it but I kind of found myself there like so focused on what I was doing all the time you know like whether it's like driving mm. to work and there's billboards of what everyone else is doing I, I I feel like my focus was so intense on it and uh and I don't know, there was there was something about when I came to South Carolina, I just kind of put what I did more into perspective that I'm like, oh, I'm just like entertaining people. Like most people don't even really keep track of all this shit. Like they're just like living their mm -hmm. lives and working. And what we do is just like entertainment. It's just something on the fucking weekends to take their mind off of what's really happening. Mm -hmm. And there was something about getting out of the city and like putting my job in perspective that just made me like it more. Like, I don't know. I just, I felt like I liked what I was adding to the world. And I also kind of felt like if it went tits up, it wasn't also the end of the world, you know, like that it's this, you know, these, it can be so hard sometimes when I think you're, for me, when I was in the city, I'm just really feeling like everything needed to work and it all needed to land. And then kind of getting outside of it a little bit and I don't know, just taking cues from people who have nothing to do with the entertainment industry and the kind of stuff they're doing with their kids and what they're exposing them to. And uh, I don't know, I feel like it was starting to make me feel a little bit more rounded about how all this stuff works and and, and what sort of person I want to be. You can't be more present. Like you can't be more present. You can't be more aware. And, you know, I think, I think it's, it's, it's definitely a thing where you just go like, fuck man, like, you know, I, am I, Am I, am I lost in this? Uh, is this affecting my person, my character? And if so, how do I make sure that it's not at the highest level, right? Like, how do I not get lost at the highest fucking level? And I, I love that you had the fucking wherewithal to go, you know what? It's getting out of here. It's getting out of here and going someplace else just to make me a little more conscious and aware. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Kevin Hart is joined by Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall on Comedy Gold Mines. Their movie, Coming to America, received a nomination this year for makeup and hairstyling. Eddie, I want to go back and and I want to go back to Coming to America 2 for a minute. And and the reason why, man, is because there was a moment, there was a moment in a movie where there was a, a montage, right? And this montage was attached to a celebration uh, for one of the best actors on the planet. Of course, one of the best characters uh, in Coming to America 1. And I love the way you set him up 
and coming to America to 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 kind of kick the movie off. Within the celebration, you had cameos, you had you had performances uh, from from some 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 talent that I can say until this day, man, acted some of the people that I'm so in awe of, right? And I'm talking about singers, I'm talking about groups. Were these people called in because they were your favorites as well? Or, or was it just like a script coincidence with writers and everybody? Of course, I'm talking about, you know, the cameos of In Vogue, Salt and Pepper, uh, and during this montage. I won't give that away. But were they there because these are people that you kind of loved and wanted to kind of throw a nod to as, as people that you just uh, a fan of, et cetera? No, we was like, if the, we were going to do the funeral the way we were going to do it, we was like, well, the king should, it should be some people that the king would know kind of know about so we couldn't have young artists singing at the king's funeral so we had to have you know people from and, the 80s and the 90s and by the way what the, the the secret little thing that gladys knight does only gladys could do that moment yes yes by the way i forgot gladys shouts out to gladys knight i see now you got a drum set behind you uh so you you play you play drums or uh yeah it? you know in high school i was in the marching band i had garage bands and of course, uh, my son plays those now. And, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I just yeah, saw I, him. I was like, I, I can't ignore the fact that you have a drum set behind you. Eddie, you Eddie. Know, a lot of comedians have play instruments and do music. Uh, I, I know a few. I'm, I'm not going to I know a lot of comedians play guitar, drums. Sin, Sinbad plays guitar and on yeah, and on. A lot of people play instruments. Have you ever heard Tracy Morgan sing R&B? Have you ever heard Franklin the Giant play the lute or the flute? Or something? Um, no. Yes. Are you I, know, I saw Franklin the Giant play clarinet. No, he played whatever, some, like those scary. You're imitating an oboe or a bassoon, but he has a clarinet. That shit, he would play. No, that's the flute. The ego shit. <laughs> ego Eddie, you play the guitar, right? You play the guitar? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit. You still doing music heavy? Yes, yeah, still, still Eddie. So what? What is it? Stop, stop doing the still Eddie shit to me, man. That's how you try yeah. to. You keep that's, doing the still Eddie. So, that's so you can second, that's the second time I said it, nigga. You said it three times. You still Eddie me three times. Said it twice. Go back when you look back on the tape. You see, I said it twice. Okay. All right. Well, you may be right, but I'm definitely gonna look back. Uh, the music for you. The music for you is not only a hobby. Of course, it's a passion. Um, is not it? A, it's not a hobby. It's just you know something I do. I've always done it. But it's not well, a hobby. Well, that's why I said a passion as well. I said a hobby, a passion. I didn't say it, and I didn't say it's not a hobby or a passion. I said it's not a hobby. Fine, <laughs> fine. You know what? You know what we're gonna do? We're yeah. just gonna we're just gonna have to fight. Is it? Yeah. You see, this is why it's it's obviously it's gotta happen. So I'm just gonna show up. I know where he lives, and it's gonna be what it's gonna be. If I lose, I lose. <laughs> I'm gonna go down. You're gonna lose. You're definitely gonna lose. <laughs> hey Kevin, when, when is the last time you actually were in a fight? A fist fight? Yeah, yeah, a fight where you actually had to fight. Um, I mean, me and my team, we get into it, man. Me and my guys. <laughs> what do you mean? You be fighting with the crew? Hey, man, we be getting into it. You know, no, you yeah. know. Don't play fighting. Be solo cups at each other. No, no, no. We don't. We don't threw. We don't threw hands a couple of times. It's, it's, really? it's gotten to that. We've been around each other seventeen years. Seventeen years, a bunch of grown ass men. There's definitely gonna so be. Has anyone in your crew ever punched you in your face? Uh. I definitely got hit. I got hit. Anyone in the crew ever punch you in the face? I got hit. I recovered fast and was able to get two off right after. But I definitely got hit first. It was it was a frustration. I don't want to say he snuck me, 
But it was like, yo, was was he able to keep this job? Yeah. Yeah, we 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 brothers. That don't that don't stop our our business or our friendship. Is we got to get it off the chest. So what happened was he. And I'm not gonna say which one he was because we keep all that private. But we were getting into it. You know, like when you in the car and you arguing back and forth. An argument kind of escalated in the car. So where I'm sitting at in the car, I always got to get out last. I'm way in the back. So he had got out before me, and you know we were still heated going back and forth. And when we got back and forth, as I stepped out. He gave me a nice little, a nice little, like it was shoulder and chin at the same time. Like I almost shoulder rolled it because I saw it coming, but it still got me a little bit. And I was able to come back real quick it, with two right now. Get down to me like the niggas around you have gone ass crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Punching you in the face when you get out the car. <laughs> Those you need this to was here. This was a while I ago. Fuck, I don't give a fuck how long you known him. You known him 17 years. You say you fired. Niggas to have to punch you in the face for real, nigga. You, you say he fired that nigga. You, this was, this was honestly, this was, this was probably about, this was probably about four years ago. It was yeah. like four years ago. Since then, it's just arguments. But I mean, like, I, you know how we talking about how, how motherfuckers be falling off, how we were saying that? In this case, I'll say, I got a core, my core group has been the most solid thing around me. Now, the people that you allow, like the, you know, where you got the new friendships that are coming that you that you're trying to give a chance and opportunity, those motherfuckers is like a wave. They're 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 hit or miss. And that's the shit that you find that just can't stick or be consistent and that you just don't allow to really infiltrate your circle anymore. That's that's what I'm learning there. And that's for sure. I definitely don't fucking when I don't fuck with new people no more. That's a that's a that's a fact. No new individual uh will be allowed in my life. That's yeah, true. Hard, hard for new people to become friends. Absolutely. Uh, are you saying and hard for old friends to remain friends? Do you feel like uh, right now is there a lack of understanding from some of your old friends um, as to why they probably don't have access to you the way that they want to, or or can't be around you the way that they want to? Do you feel like there's a there's I a give a fuck if somebody's not around <laughs> with what their understanding is? <laughs> not around you, not around for a reason. And uh, I'm 59. Well, I give Wait, you're 60. Fun. Are you fifty nine or sixty? I'll be sixty, April third. Okay, so. what are we doing? Are we are we being honest here, uh, guys? Let's look up Eddie. Thursday. Look up Eddie's birthday for me, please, and just put it so I can I mean, see. You it don't believe the nothing I say. All I say is real shit to you, man. I'll be making up no shit. I know, but you said sixty, then you said fifty nine. I feel like something's happening. I'll be sixty, April third. Okay, all right. Arsenio, can you confirm or deny? Yeah, I'm, I'll be making up stuff and putting on airs and all that shit. I don't have to do none of that shit. I could be straight up, throw it right down the middle. <laughs> Almost like my bowling ball should have went, except you didn't have oil. But whatever, that's a different story. Uh, Arsenio, are you the same with with friendships, relationships? Do you feel like you've held on or have been able to hold on? This nigga don't have no friends. This nigga <laughs> goes to his house. He had his girl and his son and his mother, and nobody. I don't even. I don't even. I never been to this nigga's house. I known him forty years. I don't know where this nigga live. <laughs> this nigga don't have no friends. <laughs> Arsenio, <laughs> <laughs> is that true? No, no friends at all. No, Kevin, Kevin it, it, it's absolutely true. He's absolutely. Like, Why? Absolutely. Why is that? Why um, do you feel like you separated yourself? Um, I don't have a bowling alley, man. People don't want to come see me. They don't want to be my friend. They don't you got a drum set? Yes, yes. I, I come I, over there I and had, fuck around with your drum I had set. Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffat over early, and, uh, <laughs> and we was. Yeah, you know, the older you get, you the the less people be around you. It's not, and it's not just a show business thing. 
the older you get, the, the less, you know, you wind up being around mostly your family and the really people you have really close bonds with. Well, here, here's a question for you. And this one has always made me curious because I know how I am in my neighborhood, right? So, you know, you get to a point where you live uh, a certain way or live in a certain place and there's people that live around you. Um, you know, I know where you are, Eddie. Are people, is there a, uh, is there a close-knit neighbor-to-neighbor thing where you live? Like, or do they, do they not fuck with you? Like, do they not fuck Everybody with you? minds their business. You mind your business, you mind their business. <laughs> your next door neighbor mind their business. You know, when you're driving through, you, you give a wave and all, you mind your business. <laughs> Do that. Have you ever had a situation where you're like, yo, man, such and such keep trying to fucking talk to me and it's starting to get, it's starting to piss me off. You know, like they, they, they're making their not way. Here, not at this house. Back in the old days, in Jersey, I used to have that because the house wasn't in a gated neighborhood. So people would show up and it would be like, you know, Obscure people like Dizzy Gillespie is at the gate. I'm still living around the corners, so every now and then Dizzy Gillespie would come by the crib. <laughs> Being out in the kitchen, in the kitchen talking to Uncle Ray. It's, what the fuck is Dizzy Gillespie talking to Uncle Ray in the kitchen? <laughs> hey, Eddie, I, I, Kevin, I don't know how this ended, but I was texting with Eddie once and he says, Let me hit you back. I think Suge Knight's in my kitchen. <laughs> I, I don't know what that meant. But I didn't know whether it was a colloquialism, but oh, people hey, love Eddie. I had uh, I had Jermaine Jackson show up at my fucking door one time. True story. Jermaine's been here many times. Jermaine just show, listen, showed up at my door. I invited door. him usually. I no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't invite him. I didn't even know him. I didn't even Did know him. you live him. in a neighborhood that he's in or something? I, I think his fam, he had a, a friend that lived in the neighborhood. This is when I, this was at my old house. And Brother, please tell me you was nice to him. No, you wasn't mean to him. No, man, what the fuck you gonna be mean to Jermaine Jackson for? It's still Jermaine Jackson. All right, okay. Yeah, you can't be mean to a fucking member of the Jackson Five. No shot. No shot. Now, I was confused. Like, you know, I opened the door and Jermaine was there. He was dressed in like, it was almost like a concert outfit. True story. <laughs> always dressed like, oh, listen, always, always dressed in stage clothes. <laughs> like, have, you'll see Jermaine at the sushi restaurant and he'll have epaulets and like a soldier hat. No, no, no. I, I thought I missed the show. I really did think I missed the show. And he's at the, he's at the fucking door and he go, man, you know, I had to stop and see you. And I said, Jermaine, Jermaine Jackson. He's like, <laughs> He said, yeah, man, you know we love you. I just had to stop and see you, man, and just tell you, keep doing it, man. And I was like, thanks, Jermaine. And that was it. <laughs> that yeah, was... Man, he's dead, dead real cool. Yeah, it was, when, I it was came, like... when I first came out here, the Jacksons was the only famous people, famous black people, was the Jacksons and uh, the Jacksons, Prince, uh, Magic Johnson, and, and Rick James. That was all the famous people. That's the it. Jacksons. The Jacksons was so nice to me when they first came out of here. The whole family was nice. As a matter of fact, I sat with Eddie and Jermaine the last time I saw Jermaine, and Eddie played Jermaine some music. Jermaine wanted the tracks. You remember I that, mean, Eddie? I mean, he's Jermaine Jackson. Like, you know, I think, you know, that's where that's where his passion, that's where his love is. Like I said, I was shocked just that, A, he he knew me, and B, he stopped and was just pleasant. I, it was more of a shock. I don't anyone knew you. Well, this was this was this was a little time ago. This was before now. I mean, now, yeah, I can say that. This is you're not, you're shocked that people know you. 
No, not now. I can't. Even if you get on, even if you get on a plane and you fly the plane for 10, 20 hours, and when you get off and nobody can say nothing but Kevin Hart, you're not supposed to be shocked. No, I'm not. I'm not shocked. Now you're 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 absolutely right. I can't. I cannot fight you there. You're absolutely right. I want to say this, man. uh, Before we wrap up, I can I can say honestly, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, man. uh, You too have done so much just for the world and space of comedy. Uh, I thank you for that. You know, I thank you guys for just being an example of the shit that can happen uh, if you want it to happen. You both are exactly that. Eddie, you already know what you are to me. I've told you before, man, I love you to death. I, I appreciate you for, you love know, you, taking me in and, and, and just giving me the information that you've given over times. And more importantly, just being a dope dude to me. It's 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 helped tremendously with confidence, with what I feel I can do and where I can go. Uh, it's a lot of it has to do with you, man. So genuinely, I fucking love you. I love uh, you too, brother. And and I and I'm 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 fucking happy to see you guys back on the screen together, man. It was dope. Back on the screen doing some stuff so for the young generation can know <laughs> know who we are. He's not gonna let me. He's <laughs> never gonna let. He's never gonna let that go. By the way, he's gonna. That's gonna be. He's gonna be up on the screen again. You know, being being senior citizen. <laughs> Listen, uh, yeah, I'm gonna see young, him. Showing the younger I'm, people how we used to do it back in the old days. I'm going to see him and he's going to go, yeah. Good old days. This is exactly what he's going to say. Yeah, nigga, all that shit with the young people. Motherfuckers know me. I, I know. I ain't. As long as you know. You know. Like, he's going he's gonna to low-key. It's going to be a low-key check-in in person. Um, mark my words. Uh, guys, goddamn, coming to America too. Amazon Prime is going down. Uh, this is Comedy Gold Mines. You just got into the minds of Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall and what brilliant minds they are. I fucking love y'all, man. I love you. I appreciate you. you. Thanks for having us, bro. Love you too, Kevin. Tell your wife hello, and God bless y'all, dog. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. So dope. Comedy Goldmines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.